Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I'm going to let my guest introduce themselves and let you know about their shows. So first of all, to um, Kim. Yes, I am um, on social. I'm known as Inked Educator because I'm still in the business and uh, trying to keep my anonymity as much as possible. I co-host Twisted Teachers Podcast with my co-host Jen. And we've been doing this for about 14, 15 months, and we're growing pretty steadily. We talk about all things education, all things not education. Um, we inter- we've interviewed over 30 people, um, spanning from Devin Siebold to uh, Daphne Gomez and people who are leaving education, staying in education. Um, and we just like to be the voice for teachers who uh, need it. And we try to put a little comedy in there and we're branching out to uh, more lifestyle and uh, actually starting up a spooky season for October to see how that goes. So, and Jen right now is in the midst of hurricane world. So she's not with us here today. Hi everybody. Ken. 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 Oh, sorry. Should I do it again? Oh, it's all right. And Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Too quick off the mark. Uh, Ken is my name, Ken Sweeney. And I am the host of the comfortable spot, which is a podcast, which is a one-on-one chat with people you might know, People you might not know, but hopefully you find them all very interesting. I'm also the producer of Lydia's Booktastic Podcast, which is a manic, childish fun, which I have now and again with my daughter, Lydia, who's nine years old. She loves books. She likes to review them, and I like to record a review on them. So that's it, really. And Lydia has, has had some great in, interviews herself on on her on that show. Oh, she has. Yeah, yeah. They queue up for us, but... We're, our problem is our podcasts are, get too long if we interview, so we have to figure out a new way of doing it. So uh, that that's I think I've sussed it now at this point. I think I have a new way of tackling that because writers are always very keen to talk about their books. Yeah, that's the thing, and it's, it's kind of like you have to reel them in a little bit. And when you have a nine-year-old who's quite excited to speak to her heroes, that can go on a bit. So uh, we have we figured out a way of doing it though. So uh, yeah roll on season 15 or something whatever it is at this point (laughs) but it's interesting though that because her interviewing writers it's different because it's not like a normal interview situation for a writer to go into because this way the writer's being questioned by somebody who is of the age group that they're writing these children's books for it's twisted a little bit Hmm. because what they do is you see they are used to talking to kids because okay. they generally go to schools and stuff like that. But kids ask things like, I like your watch. You mm-hmm. know, uh, whereas Lydia has kind of got some questions that I've helped her with. So they have to give adult answers in most cases to questions asked by a nine-year-old who generally understands them because I wouldn't ask her to ask a question that she didn't understand. So Lydia approves the questions. I would come up with a few. She comes up with a few, but she approves every single one of them. So I have no say in that department, but they are generally very grown up questions. So, you know, she doesn't she wouldn't ask, like, why did you pick the font in your book to look like that? Or who did you know, who drew your photograph, your images on your books and stuff like that? She generally has deeper questions that she's kind of interested in, like which say, you know, if you've written this trilogy, at what point did you get the ideas for the second book? And it's like, kind of, okay. Oh yeah, as a former elementary school teacher or primary, they they'll ask the question. They 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 will get straight to the heart of it, which is which was awesome. It's a lot I of think fun. I found out one thing about this that you know the kind of famous thing: don't work with animals and children. I don't agree with that actually, 
I think kids are really, really good, especially nowadays. We've talked about this, Marv. Yeah, we have. Yeah. They, 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 they've grasped the technology. They know the moments. They see TV. They look at YouTube. Again, we've talked about YouTube. YouTube's changed how children react. And it's sometimes it's negative, sometimes positive. But if you filter it and you make sure that they don't see too much of it, I think it, it can help them in some ways, you know? Yeah, in some ways, I think, you know, you know, we're going away from the subject here. We're going tangent straight away. Yeah. In some ways, um, it's interesting because somehow this this digital age and this technological age with the internet can be good and, like you said, can be good and bad for children in some ways because, in a way, sometimes I think that children, there's a, there's a fear that children could probably grow up a bit too quickly in a way because when we yeah. were younger, you know, we grew up probably slightly differently to how they were. I think kids that were a certain age now, I mean, that are now, I think they're a bit different to how I comprehended things when I was their age. Well, it's instant gratification with devices. There's there's a big difference between 15 years ago when I could read a book to a kid and have them visualize something. And now they're looking at you like, I don't know what that means because it's not instant gratification right in front of me. I can't be a video game as I'm teaching. And so I think from my perspective, the the technology has been a detriment to that imagination piece of them actually getting into the book and the characters and reading it and understanding it. I, I don't know. I've seen it I'm from elementary and I'm in high school now. And it's, I, I miss the days where I could read a kid a book or a, ch- a class and they were just like excited and they hated the fact that we were done with a chapter and they couldn't wait to the next day. So. Mm. I also think though parents play a huge part. I mean, the, you know, they, the problem with technology and coming into, into hand with children is that, you have to, uh, you can't give it every, you can't give them everything. You have to filter it and you have to level it out. Like, for example, Lydia is nine. She doesn't have a smartphone. She nope. doesn't ask for a smartphone. She doesn't want a smartphone. She has a tablet. She It's highly kind of regulated. She can't click on to, for example, to normal YouTube. It doesn't exist. She has the kids' YouTube. Good. Good for I'm you. I'm happy with that. You know, she doesn't want to see, you know, clips of the Avengers or stuff like that. She wants to see clips of hamsters running down a maze. You know, that's what she wants. And that's what all nine-year-old kids want. But as you say, we kind of think they should know more. They should have more. Um, and sometimes parents, of course, as you know, being a teacher, they parents like to project things on their children that they didn't have when they were younger. Because they also think that maybe their kids wanted those things and maybe they don't, kids don't need them. So the first thing we did with Lydia was when she started to read properly, we allowed her to stay up late to read but she's never allowed to stay up late to look at her tablet. In fact, after six o'clock, it switches off. So that's never going to happen. Well, and that's because you're parenting. And and one of the issues is like with COVID and and teaching virtually, we gave them all the devices and all the technology. And now we're trying to take it away. I mean, as a high school, to to tell kids to take their phones out of their hands, it's a battle. Yeah. And parents do not want to take those devices away because the kid might get upset. So it is a, a mind, you know, a mindset change. It's a shift to get students back to wanting to learn, to feel engaged, to feel like they're in school because it feels good to learn something new. And that's that's the struggle I think we're having right now. Um, where I am in the United States, I'm not sure how it is in the rest of the world, but we're struggling. We're struggling to get the kids engaged, to actually write a full sentence that's not from text you know, something from their heart that they didn't copy and paste from something else. It's hard for them. They're having a hard time too. But in some yeah, ways, sorry, go ahead, Marv. Go ahead. I was going to say in some ways, sorry, Ken, 
in some ways, um, it's can't, can't they, there's some things that children can learn better in a group situation like a class where then you find that they group together in certain things and they help each other sometimes kids do with certain things so they'll help each other with their individual with their own learning and i think that's helpful in a lot of cases where you would lose that in the in the case of distance learning or learning from a device yeah, yeah. yeah definitely agree 100 percent. there's five of them in lydia's gang yeah we have one who's um from the uk she's come from a mixed family originally Jamaican and uh, Brazilian. Then there's uh, a child who's from Moldova. Her English wasn't very good. And when she first came to Ireland three years ago, she spoke Russian. And then we had a child who was born in Sweden and she only came to Ireland when she was five, sorry, three. So her basic English was very poor as well. They got together and now their English is perfect because they go, as you said, Marv, they learn. They go to, they go, they hang out together. They're inseparable, but it's not always all five of them. Hmm. So it can be four of them, three of them, two of them, yep. but they help each other all the time. So Lydia helped um, Ilana with her English. And then Ilana was you know, just went straight through the roof within the space of a couple of weeks because she was enjoying speaking English. So yeah, I agree. I think it's down to, you know, group stuff like that. But you see, uh, having said that though, we live in a rural area, so it's probably easier for do that in a city center area it might be more difficult i don't know but if i could just say one thing about podcasting uh kids should do podcasting more yeah because it's non-invasive it doesn't require them to sit at a screen you know for hours it's a really good uh gives kids a great grasp of technology edit record sound presentation skills style writing creativity everything is in podcasting yeah communication And I think the big issue is that adults have a hand of it now. And I think it's an adult thing, a bit like the way radio was. Yeah. And then, in, you know, as you know, Kim, in, in the United States, there's a lot of community radio, you know, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We that, like the serious. I mean, we listen to like the the radio Sirius XM or whatever in the, yeah. the car. And you also have high school radio and stuff like that. We never really did that in the UK and Ireland. I don't think so. Because it was very expensive and the governments like to keep a hold on the licenses. They didn't want pirate radio. Oh, okay. Because there was a lot of pirate radio stations in UK in the 60s and the 70s in Ireland. So I think what podcasting does is it gives you that incentive to, to do it. So our plan for Lydia's podcast coming forward is that we're going to bring, we're gonna, we've already got the permission from the parents. So we're going to get bring on Lydia's friends as a guest. And I want them to get got an idea about podcasting and see how exciting and fun it is. Oh yeah, it's podcasting in the classroom is is uh, yeah. the, or just for learning and and interviewing and its listening skills and actually responding to what somebody's saying without thinking about your next comment that has nothing you know what I'm, like those just basic communication skills that I think are so necessary. Podcasting has definitely like you know I mean even with Jenna and, and when we're podcasting we talk over each other and stuff like that is that's normal conversation but then you have to think about the listening and the response and then it's a whole art i do think podcasting is an art and i i have not been doing it very long and i don't know how good we are at it yet but we're getting better and we're growing we're growing people who are listening and and but it is definitely an art and people are very very picky about their podcasts and and their their hosts and how they speak and Hmm. you know there's so many different variables to what makes a good podcast it's not just 
personality. It's also the sound. Sound is huge. You know, you think about those things that, you know, I've got this great content, but I sound like crap and you can hear every mouth noise coming out and people hate that. So you think about all of those dynamics putting in, in for students and kids from, I don't know, little to littles to bigs to think about how they're portraying their message and is their message being conveyed in the manner in which they want it to be conveyed, which I think is fabulous. If I could just add to that, Kim, you said everything there that I was thinking about. The other thing about podcasting is that not all podcasting is visual. So what I've learned from that is generally I tend to speak to people without the visual aspect of it. And what it's taught me over the last, say, four or five years and what it teaches people, I think, is how to listen properly. You know, because we nowadays, a lot of stuff, a lot of communication is, is visual. Kids do it all the time. They FaceTime instead of we were as kids, we would have picked up the phone. And we have I still have that talent and we all have that talent because we grew up just listening to someone on the phone. But kids don't have that talent. They want to FaceTime everything. You know, yeah. and if you can give them a, a podcast without the visual aspect of it. It's going to tune their ear a little bit better. And they will also listen for anger, you know, frustration, tiredness. That's the one thing I really learned from doing podcasting, because I realized that people suffer from brain tired. They go brain tired on a podcast. And you know when it's time to close down the podcast, especially if English is not their first language. And we used to do that a lot with an organization that I did. We spoke with people from all over Europe whose English wasn't their first language. And what I learned very quickly is that I'd be listening and going, okay, this person is getting tired because they're struggling to actually communicate. They're going a lot more eh or ah or mm, and then you know it's time to shut down the podcast. I only learned that from podcasting, but I also mm-hmm. in everything I do now, even when I meet people face to face. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, an interesting thing because there's there's a lot of podcasts out there that are for kids and by kids, but it's almost like they don't. It's almost like the it's the difficult to get to find and to get in touch with, in some mm. ways. Um, but th- there's a few that I've listened to. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of short stories podcast for kids, which are which are great, but it just seems to be almost like there's a distance between the two. And I don't think that, that there should be, I think they have to be accepted. And I think it's one of those things that like you were hinting at that makes podcasting more interesting and more open than, than general radio where you can have all these different things in there because there's no way that you'd find shows like that on the radio. But in this sense you can, because the, I've always said the best thing about podcasting is that it gets those niches that that the radio don't get. It gets those subjects and those people mm-hmm. that haven't got anything. Yeah, and I don't know about everyone else, but what I find is local community state community stations here in Ireland, and I mean really local ones, ones that are based to broadcast in a kind of a large town. And there's plenty of them all over Ireland. They love podcasts because mm-hmm. it gives them lots of material to broadcast. And they're, they're, you know, because they they can broadcast 24 hours a day, seven days a week if they want to, but they can't get the people in to do the live shows. So, but they want to have content. So I've, I've approached a couple of local radio stations in Ireland and the result was fairly positive because they liked my podcast because it was very general. I haven't done anything with Lydia and I'm proposing to do that as well. So I agree with you. Yeah, it, I think I think local radio stations love it because it, it if it's well done as you said kim and it's well put together and they don't have to do any editing to it they can just upload it straight up uh it helps like for example i don't say the comfortable spot podcast anymore i just okay. say the comfortable spot 
because I'm thinking about the radio stations and I'm saying if they wanted to use it, it wouldn't be fair to say. It's well, I think that's also in the branding, like Twisted Teachers. Like I, there's people who don't know that I'm the host of Twisted Teachers. And I'll say, yeah, something about Twisted Teachers podcast. or I'll hear people talking about it. And I'm just like, OK, that's the brand. We are, you know, of course, people at the beginning thought we were Twisted Teachers in a not so OK sense. But um, just meaning our, our vision is just not the norm. It's not the everyday and people are resonating with that. And with that, when you can do that and you're not in direct competition with everybody, you, you, you gain people who are interested and that they want to share and they want to be part of that process where you're connecting to other, other people. And we've gotten more, so many comments about teachers saying, thank you so much for saying that. I really wish that I could do that. Thank you for acknowledging that. And I have a, a pretty decent TikTok following and it's the videos I do. I, I hated TikTok. I hated the whole premise of it, but it has helped drive our podcast downloads huge. And I never thought it would have done some research on the social media, driving the podcast and um, Instagram is okay, but TikTok has just blown up and it'll be something like these, these emails from parents that we get that drive us crazy and it'll go viral and it, people well, I'm like, okay, now you like that, go listen to the podcast. So thinking about like, there's, there's a group of people who need to hear the things that we're saying. They need to hear the things that we're talking about. And as long as we're genuine and not just out there to make a buck and to just kind of be the face of a, of, of a notion or, or a comment or a, a theory that's going out there, I think it's important for us to just as be genuine as possible. And, and in a podcast, you cannot be fake. You have to be genuine because that's a conversation, you know, there's a whole thing about scripting versus not scripting. Mm. Jen and I don't script. I mean, we have like, we have a, a running Google doc that we share. And it's like, these are the things that we want to talk about, or, or we'll share a document. Sometimes we did twisted lit for a while, like crazy kids stories that we actually read to our students. Like, are you kidding me? So we would talk about that and we'd have fun with it. Or we would rewrite just a, a, a story from our perspective as teachers and adults and parents. And it has to be genuine. That's, I think that's number one. When I hear a podcast where I can tell people are reading off of something, I'm just like, you know, just, just put that down and have the conversation. Know your subject well enough that you can actually have a conversation about it without having to go read the notes. And then hopefully you got the facts right. Um, and that's, I, I think that's one of the main things if, if you want a podcast is that it has to be a, a niche, niche, however you pronounce it, that is in your heart that you can speak to without having so many things driving your conversation. Like it's good to be fact-checked. It's good to have the, the, the true story, but it's also good to have that personal experience. And that whenever we talk about our personal experiences, that's what drives our, our numbers completely. You can have, you can have research all day long, but in, until you give your personal story, your, your numbers are not, you're not going to get the listeners and, and the buy-in and engagement that you, that you need to keep going because most podcasts don't last past what five or 10 episodes yeah. i think that was yeah. the the last research i read about podcasting that's good get rid of but, the jump but what pushes your yeah. podcast will always be your personality and who you are because all of us we all do shows that you know or most of us do shows that you know with, there's a lot of podcasts that do the same as we do, essentially. You know, there's so many yeah. chat podcasts. There's so many. 
I didn't know until I started and I suddenly started and realized there's loads of podcasts about podcasts. Yeah, yeah, there are. There <laughs> are like, tons. Oh, wow. yep. Apart from you, I, I, I have no I interest thought, in them. I just thought, oh, I'm going I'm doing something nobody's ever done before. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap. Well, you see the <laughs> difference is you're doing something good that loads of people have tried to do. That's right. the thing. Yeah, that's the difference, Mark. Because I've listened to all of them and they're junk most of them or they get too technical like we spoke about this before they get too technical or they just scare people because people start talking about you know this is a class a server-based system that's ideal for used in semi-circle you know podcasts and you're going okay i don't want to listen to this whereas i don't ever see you hear you talking about technical stuff the vast majority of your podcast martin is just a good old chat now there are some I don't want to listen to. That's fine, but I I have you I have you saved. I'm always ready for when popped up, and I say yeah, that's good. I'll have a listen to that, and that's I think that's the key. Actually, I re- think that's also where you kind of reach out to the different social media. Like Jen, my co-host, is huge on LinkedIn, yeah, and so she'll get those technical questions because I do the editing. Wow. She'll then forward it to me. I'm like, oh, here's here's the software I use, here's the bubble. But that's not something we want to talk about on the podcast. So LinkedIn is more of the business world. And we've got TikTok for the younger generation who wants to have like the drama and then Instagram for the curated things. And then Facebook for the people who want to bitch and moan about things in, in, in my generation. So you really have to know where your social media is and where you're pushing things out in those various apps and understand who your audiences are. We will put a poll out on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook and get three different, completely different responses yeah. from those three different groups. And that's something you need to know as a podcaster. If you you have to drive your numbers through your social media, I'm not a LinkedIn person. I'm a teacher. I mean, if I want to go do something else, I'm not going to go to LinkedIn. I don't want to sell stuff. No. Jen has that audience. She's huge on LinkedIn. I'm huge on TikTok. We use those differently and it, it benefits us well. I think that's something to think about too, when you're trying to increase numbers and reach audiences and get to that audience who's going to be genuine instead of, you know, you don't want these, you, we have all these fake people who follow it. Like I, I don't really need you to give me a two-star review for no reason. Like I would talk about that a lot. We want one two-star review that I can't get over because I don't understand it. They didn't leave any messages, but I think that's another piece of it. Like a lot of podcasting people are not huge social media people. So that has to be a connection you make, whether you like it or not. It's a hard, it's a hard one to make. You certainly can't say that about me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Social media is, it's, it's a, a necessary evil, unfortunately. It is. I think before we carry on, we'll introduce uh, Dave. Hey everybody. Ken, Kim, Martin, how are you guys today? Hello. Okay. Fine. So, how are you? Introduce yourself, well. Dave. Well, my name is Dave Lee. I am a co-founder of International Podcast Day. Um, the other founder is actually my father, Steve. And cool. um, yeah, so that that's coming up Friday, September 30th. It's every September 30th. So it's easy to to get down on your calendar last, last uh, day of every uh, September. And basically, guys, it's just an international celebration of the power of podcasts. This panel alone is is truth that there's some internationality with podcasts and i love the the conversation y'all have been having so far and yeah it should be a fun-filled day we're already starting to see some traction going online there's i have this spreadsheet with probably 40 50 different events and different ways people are trying to celebrate the day so it's uh it's some exciting times yeah thanks for having me on here 
Okay, so what's the history of International Podcast Day? So International Podcast Day actually started September in uh, 2014. And originally, um, Steve, my father, as I mentioned, was driving around his hometown for whatever reason, was not listening to a podcast, but happened to be listening to the radio. And he heard an advertisement for like National Senior Citizen Day. And he's like, at that moment, he's like, why don't, why doesn't the podcast industry have our own day? Like it, it's 10 years old. That's, this was in 2014. And we just need a day where we can celebrate the, you know, the medium that we love. And so we actually started September 30th, 2014, simply as national podcast day that we celebrated here in the United States. And of course, as we, we gained a little traction online, we quickly realized how a bit short-sighted that was. And we immediately branded the next day to International Podcast Day, bought, bought the website, changed the logos, did all this stuff because we had individuals from, from Ireland, um, England, India, France, Finland, all these people like, you guys need to make this much bigger. And so we, we reacted to what the community was saying. And that's sort of how it was born. So in 2015, I had this crazy idea that I wanted to do 34 straight hours of live broadcasting to, to celebrate the day. Wow. And we, in fact, did that from 2015 to 2020. And between 2015 and 2020, we probably had close to 300 podcasters on featuring them from, I think our tally was up to like 112 countries at that time. And basically it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. We'd, we'd start at, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon and we go to five each hour and Steve would take a couple hours rest. I would, I would, I would man this, the station, I would fall asleep for a few hours. And so we just did that. And it was a great way, honestly, to, to really grow and learn about what the international podcast space looked like, you know? And, and uh, so we actually took a break in 2021 we just needed just to, to de decompress a little bit, kind of, kind of uh, give ourselves a little break, and we're actually bringing our live stream back for 2022, but we're only doing 10 hours of, of live broadcasting. Um, but we currently have 24 podcasters from 10 countries over that 10-hour period. So um, that's sort of the origin story behind how uh, how it started and kind of where it's grew, um, grown within the last you know six seven years. It's that's amazing. It's strange, really, that the, the you know the two thousand and four thing because you know um, initially the software for being able to create podcasts and po post them on site onto websites actually came out in two thousand with the you know with iPod X was the first app for 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 podcast, but it's strange because it's like there there weren't any until like you said around two thousand and four when suddenly. I think something that helped it probably a lot would have been Adam Curry with, you know, with the daily source code podcast, because then that was then bringing it out into people because Adam was already a known quantity to the American public and to, to a lesser extent to the rest of the world. And so he brought that more into the zeitgeist, essentially the world of podcasting. And then it, and then it became a much bigger thing than over the next few years. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, Adam Curry and, and Dave Weiner are are 
the the creators of RSS, and that was actually another reason we chose September was the RSS was actually uh, formally introduced uh, September 18th, 20, uh, 2000, as you mentioned. Um, the first podcast on, on record was released in September of 2004, and so September seems to be a very pivotal date in in the in the podcasting space. But you're right; I think in 2004, when when Adam Curry got on being being a uh, MTV VJ um, here in the United States, had had a bit of a global reputation already, you know. And so when he dived into the daily source code, that was that was really the the impetus for for moving this industry forward. And it's obviously grown leaps and bounds since then. And, you know, it continues to mold. You know, I, I heard your conversations here with moving to social media and, you know, a pivot to, to video and a lot of different things that are going on. And these were not things that, you know, when I, when I started podcasting in, in uh, 2009 was not something we were ever talking about, you know, and uh, so to, to kind of see where, where the industry has moved and pivoted and continues to adapt and grow, you know, as different players come into the space, whether those are big corporate players or, you know, the indie podcasters that continue to just, you know, push the media uh, further and further uh, week by week, download by download. So um, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think, uh, I think the, the launch into podcasting in September 2004 um, obviously changed. It's, it's a big game changer. And now now the t- technology is being improved with RSS 2.0 and what Adam Curry is doing with that. So, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of interesting things going on right now in the industry. When was your first um, memory of uh, podcast, Ken? question actually and to be honest i don't know um i suppose it was different in ireland because you got to remember podcasting we sorry i'll start again you've got to remember the two types of people used audio equipment in ireland rock musicians and radio stations everyone else you know wouldn't would be any audio equipment was live it wasn't recorded you know boy bands were in so all of them was going to the uk pop music was in at that time so when podcasts kind of hit the ground the first kind of batch you got was just repeat of radio shows so you had like radio stations like news talk 106 which is big independent um nationwide radio station here in ireland they would have started to uh podcast their more popular episodes like for example they had a sports program called off the ball which was very very popular real lads type thing you know uh, joe.ie sort of uh, presentation skills funny cheeky that kind of thing so they i can remember them probably pushing out the first podcast and then when they did it and it started to become popular, because as you said there, the, well, really the introduction of the smartphone was, was the key in Ireland because people started to listen to podcasts because up to that point, they had their iPlayer and it wasn't very versatile. So, uh, and that's also Apple equipment was very expensive in Ireland. So uh, when the, when Android phones came out and people started to use the smartphones, that's when podcasts really took off. So I guess I didn't have a specific one, but I kind of remember around 2008, 2009, yeah. when it began to become a part of radio, if you know what I mean. It was an extra piece that radio kind of cashed in on. Then the national station cashed in around 2009, 2010. So that's that's really it. But I mean, modern podcasting for me started around 2017, when a lot of podcasts came out about Brexit in the UK and stuff like that. And I was involved in an, an organization that was a European kind of media platform. So I saw podcasting as an extension of, you know, us kind of talking about politics. Uh, but uh, that's about as far as I got, you know. What about yourself, Kim? When when do you remember first hearing podcast? Um, I think um, as a teacher, I um, resonated with a lot of, of course, in true crime. That was probably my first 
experience. Um, I'm a writer as well. So I'd like to listen to podcasts based on the things I was writing about. Um, but I got really hooked into uh, morbid and crime junkie. And then I kind of went off to, I'm always excited about the, 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 the younger, less ex, um, exposed podcasts. I always like to see, because that's where we are. I mean, we're, we're growing pretty well, but if, if you, you know, compare us to other podcasts for small, which is fine. Um, but I think that the education podcast, and, and when I started listening to more education podcasts, I realized that they're very polarized and very political and that Jen and I were just not, you, you lose half your audience if you talk, you're talking about one thing or the other. And a lot of times with the pandemic, there were a lot of, um, pro-vax, anti-vax, and Jen and I really didn't want to deal with any of that. Like, you do you, boo. You got to do what you need to do. I'm not here to tell, you know, anyone what to do. I can't even tell myself what to do. I don't even give myself good advice, right? So I'm not the person to do that. I've been in education 22 years, teacher of the year. I've done K through just about 12. I, I have a lot of experience, but I don't think I know it all. And I think that's what people need. They need people who are like, look, I've screwed this up so many times, but here's my experience. Take it or leave it. Um, and so I started listening and I, I really saw that the education podcasts were not really what I would want to hear. And I talked to, we, we thought about like, let's tell our experiences about what happened with these crazy people and the crazy teachers and the crazy parents and the bad admin, the good admin. Um, and so we kind of just hit it in a different realm where, you know, we did hit pretty hard on the banned book piece because I'm very passionate about not banning a freaking book and then letting your kid watch Squid Game and the Dahmer series and all the other things that these the parents are letting kids do. Um, I'm not a big fan of DeSantis and I've let that be known. And I live in a house with a husband who doesn't have the same use as I do politically. And so, oh. so that, I'm very careful about the things I say, but if I'm very passionate about it, people are realizing like, because we'll get messages like Kim was really pissed about that. Like that must be something that's important and they know us by now. So I think what I didn't see in the past podcast for education was just more of a, I give a shit. I, I'm, a, I'm not perfect. I don't know what I'm talking about half the time, but I'm going to say the things you're probably thinking because I'm closer to retirement than you are. And I, I can get another job pretty quick and <laughs> probably make more money than I'm making now. Um, and then the true crime world, it's amazing. I've connected with so many true crime podcasts. Um, they, they blow up within a month. It's amazing to me. Like, I don't know if they last that long. Um, but, and I, I was telling Genesis, if we really want to do well, we do true crime, but I don't want to jump on a bandwagon, even though we're kind of doing a thing. So I would say start with true crime. Then, um, I wanted to hear more of what teachers had to say. I wanted to see that platform. I wasn't really feeling it from a lot of the, the education podcasts. There's a, there's a handful. There's not a, a lot that do well or, or they have longevity. Um, I haven't really gotten into the, the, the fiction ones. There's a couple of fiction ones. And my husband was into the, um, like the, um, there's a series he was listening to. That was my first experience with the podcast. It was a fiction podcast. So it was like a series, um, from like, the, like, walking dead kind of thing into the world apocalypse kind of uh, really cool very dramatic like uh podcast stories and so that was probably my very first piece that kind of led me into true crime that kind of led me into maybe i can do this so um hasn't been long it's been maybe six years you know in comparison to where the industry has started where it is now 
I know my my first uh, memory of listening to podcast is probably around the same time as as Ken, and it's probably quite telling, really, because the first two podcasts I listened to, one was about punk music, so it was punky radio that was uh, that's hosted by two friends of mine who I used to guest on their radio show with uh, years ago. Uh, and the other podcast that I listened to was a podcast called Film Sack by Frog Pants Studios that I keep trying to get on my show and they've not said yes yet. But um, so that shows my thing there with I'm not just stuck listening to one type of show. There yeah. I've started straight away listening to two completely different types of show. Yeah. And, you know, but like I was saying before Dave came into the conversation, that is the best thing, like I said earlier, with podcast is there's something for everybody there. And there it, it gets those niche where no where the radios don't radio stations don't get. And the funny thing is, you might come up with an idea and say, no one's going to listen to that. And then you do it and you go, holy crap, like where did that come from? Like we did a podcast on Moldova. We, we got six young kids from Moldova and we interviewed them. And I was the idiot in the room, basically. So I was the host. I had a co-host with me, Laura Dana. She was from Moldova. She lived all her life there. And she interviewed six young students, you know, trainee doctor, classical musician, uh, media uh, student, all that kind of thing. It was six episodes. And I said, uh, this is probably going to work, but I actually like this myself. So this was my, a kind of a pet project that I just wanted to do to just boost my own personal mirror stuff. And when we did it, we just whacked it out six episodes in a row and it took off hugely, obviously in the right places like Romania and Moldova, because we got so much positive feedback because I don't know about you guys, but when, you know, you generally speak about a country like Moldova and it's used in a media format, you get some idiot who's gone over there and says, Hey, I survived two days in the poorest country in Europe. You know, this kind of nonsense. And, you know, every place is richer than what some fool on YouTube is going to talk about. So that was the goal of the podcast. And that's actually what we got. That was the best feedback we got because people in Romania, which is very closely kind of culturalized with Moldova, said, and obviously people in Moldova said, thank you, because you actually just portrayed the country as we want it is and what it really is. And, uh, you know, so you can do these things. And I, my advice now to everybody says, do you have an idea about podcasting? Does it sound ridiculous to your sister? Don't mind her. Go and do it. And that's what I yeah. said. Jen's, Jen's to mom told her the only people who do part, podcasts are narcissists. And we just started laughing because we're like, okay, no, that, <laughs> maybe that's, that's the truth. But well, I know we do want to talk about yourself all the way through a podcast. But if you're the person talking to guests, you're definitely not a narcissist. No, and, and that's the, the misnomer, you know, the misunderstanding about what a podcast is. And the, the, our most popular ones have been, um, um, we interviewed a woman of a transgender child about her grief and her process through that. Um, the other very popular one was uh, quiet quitting or loudly working, like the whole quiet quitting phenomenon, like teachers can't quietly quit because nothing would get done. And then we had another woman that was just, hers blew up. It was basically she, um, a lesbian who was pretty much pushed out of her school system based on her beliefs and so it's we were hitting on like some some tough topics and we thought we'd really get some pushback but it's we've just gotten more and more people asking about those 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 particular podcasts so we just kind of push the bar a little bit more and it has done us we, we do a good job with it we don't 
we're not preaching. We're just saying, here's this person's story. Please open your minds. Don't close your minds to something you don't know about. Um, you know, Jen and I have dealt with a lot of different things personally in our own lives that we t- bring to it. So I, I think the more stories we have on our podcast of real people dealing with real things, um, it makes a difference. But thinking about, you know, again, I go back to that genuine piece of it. Like you can't, you can't speak to something you haven't experienced or you interview somebody who has, you can't pretend to know things you don't know. And I think, you know, that within a few minutes of a podcast where people are like, well, I read this article and I thought I'd talk, no, we're good. Um, Again, I haven't done it long, but we're learning a lot. We've met so many amazing people and, I think it, when people do ask, they're starting to ask, you know, how do you start a podcast? Talk about the thing. Talk about the thing that you don't think anyone wants to hear about. Like you're saying, can like, it may be that that little, you know, community that nobody's listening to. It could be um, this one teacher who's had this issue that she was, and we found out that we were in a similar area of the state with this teacher. I didn't know her. But we know a lot of the same people, and we found that out as we were doing the podcast. We're like, we can't say names, we can't say districts, we can't even say the state we're in. But here's your story, and that story resonated with hundreds and maybe thousands of people. And you're like, oh, okay, so maybe maybe we are doing something good here. It's not. It isn't narcissism if you're giving stories to make other few people relate. Just like Ken, when your your kids are talking about books, the reason we read books is so we can relate to the characters and the events in those books and mm-hmm. those stories. The reason we read things. And we can't put a book down. It's because we're connected to that story for some reason or something. So when we hear a story and we're connected to that story, we want to listen to that person again. And I think we get a lot of the egos. You can't have an ego in in podcasting. Everything comes out. Everything's transparent. It's you can't be a you can't be a narcissist really if it's all about you because people will tune you off within the second episode. And that that research shows that your episodes are going to tank if it's all about you. So I hate to do this. I have got to go. Um, I've got husband downstairs. I think dinner's on, but I wanted to join in and I appreciate you shutting us out for the podcast. Okay. Just befo- thank you, Ken. Yes. I was going to say, Kim, before you go, just let people know where they can find you and get hold of you. Twisted Teachers Podcast. It is on any podcast app that you can hear. I am Inked Educator. I'm on Instagram, TikTok. Jen is Jen Roberts. She's on LinkedIn. And we have our Twisted Teachers podcast um, on our Instagram. So that's between the two of us. She lets her name be known. I don't. Um, You can find us just about anywhere. Just look up Twisted Teachers, not the bad kind. It's a little red symbol of two little, um, it used to be an eaten apple, but now it's like two speech bubbles. you can find us just about anywhere. So, and yeah, our website is twistedteachers.com. So I'll put a link up anyway. Yeah. Kim. All right. Thank you so much. It was nice to meet everybody. And thank you, Dave, for your um, work with the International Podcast Day. That means a lot to, our, to us, especially our ba- the, the baby podcasters out there need that. <laughs> thank you, Kim. S- send thank our you. best wishes to Jen. I will. Hopefully, uh, she said she still had power last time I talked to her. So that's good. Hopefully, yep. she'll be good. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Dave, actually, Dave, sorry, can I just ask you something? Because I, I'm yeah. just keen. You spoke to podcasting, uh, you know, creators in 2001 in the region of 115, as you said, uh, from different nations. I've got to ask you this, and I hope you don't mind me bunching over, Martin. Um, what was the weirdest and most successful podcast that you've come across? 
because you know we just talked about that like one that you said it's never going to work you've come across a hundred you know so many was the one out there that was just you said okay that should not work but it works oh man trying to think back one that one that i was i will say that i wasn't surprised that was overly successful we had somebody on that was a a ham radio enthusiast you know like the old school like oh, yeah. ham radio technology yeah that was obviously an industry that i didn't know much about it was it was before me my father knew a lot about it and once i started to learn about it they this individual i don't even remember which country this person was in it doesn't matter where ham radio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It didn't matter. I, I just don't remember the origin of, of where it was, but they grew just this incredibly popular podcast simply just about being ham radio enthusiasts. And I was like, and just being somebody that wasn't involved with that technology when I was younger, I was like, man, you know, to have something grow into something absolutely huge. And it was literally a guy who just, like we talked about, just wanted to share his story and his enthusiasm with 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 the technology and, and everything involved with it. It was, and, and the beautiful part, as we've talked about in the industry, is that there is no gatekeepers. There's nobody telling you you can or cannot enter. I remember sitting at a at a podcast event and somebody who is now in the podcast space was trying to get into traditional media, and he had asked an executive, "How much is it going to take me to get a show on your your uh, your your media platform?" He said, 10 years and ten million dollars." No, nobody's got that. You know, nobody's got that. Um, and and so that that really opened up his eyes. It's like literally, podcasting has no gatekeepers. And so um, one of the ones that was actually um, surprised me that I didn't think was going to have much of a much of a following that ended up doing. There was an individual, I believe, he was here in the states in the state of Michigan. He was actually manufacturing like um, homemade fishing boats, like out of his garage. He was, and he would he would document how he like created the boats, finished the boats, you know, with all the lacquer and all those things with the engineering and, and everything behind it. And I was like, how many people, you know, are, are actually going to, and that's, that's the part is he wasn't looking to have millions of downloads. He's like, if there are 500 other people out yeah. there that make yeah. homemade fishing boats out of their garage, that's the audience I want to get to. And that's exactly what he did. And he and he made his own little little podcast empire with his small little following, was able to have other guests on and, and grow and all these things. And and it exactly what you're talking about. If you can find something that's so dialed in, and, and it's important to remember in the space, what are you what are you looking for out of your podcast? If you're shooting for 10 million downloads a week, 500,000 downloads a month, whatever it is, shoot for that. If you're just looking to connect with an audience, connect with a smaller community, grow that that really niche, um, you know, following that you may have. I mean, I've I've been to uh, you know numerous podcast events, and you just see these small little groups of people that have only been listeners online. All of a sudden, they meet and they're just like true family. And if that in that's I think ultimately what the big pull of podcasting is, you know, that that intimacy between you know the the listener and, and the host and being able to connect in person. And, you know, there, there's friends I've met around the world that I've, I will never, ever meet, you know, but if there's ever a chance, it will be full embracing. There'll be, you know, there'll be some excitement. Um, so yeah, it's a really good question, Ken. It's, it's hard to think back since 2014 to think of, you know, the ones that really surprised me, but those are two that really kind of, really kind of took me back. It's kind of funny. Cause I was talking to a young person who contacted me, um, we, we work with young journalists in the European Network, which is an organization I, I help run here in, in uh, Ireland. 
And there's a lot of young people who are not maybe qualified as journalists, but they have lots of talent. And I did have a person contact me um, recently about a podcast that he'd set up. And it was quite a specific podcast. It was interviewing MEPs, which are member of the European Parliament, right? So it was, mm. you know, half an hour of heavy stuff. And he was getting 150 average listeners on his podcast. And he was saying to me, oh, it's a disaster. I don't think I, I can recover from this. I've done, you know, recorded 10 in advance. And now I'm putting them out every week. And I've got a great intro music, which it was well produced, well put together. And I said to him, well, look at it this way. Imagine you were sitting in a room that you hired out every week in a hotel in Dublin. And you put this podcast on, on a screen. Imagine. And then 150 people filled that room. That's great. I mean, think of the, the, you know, the feeling you're going to get. Any band would love to have 150 people play in a room when they start off. Any comedian would have loved to have 150 people standing in a room when he tells his first jokes. So I said that to him, think about it that way, you know, and I think the process, Dave, that is, is, is somehow damaging in sense because people look at Joe Rogan and all these flash 1 million jobs and go, I want to be like that. And as you say, they shouldn't never, ever, ever try and be like that. And if they really want to, they have to be prepared that it's a long haul. You know, it's it's like yep. Dave, you know, Martin and me have talked about a few times, you know, back in the 80s when you tried to make a music, your, you know, your CD or your demo tape, it was hit and miss. So I always say that to people. I say, think about, you know, if it's only 50 people, imagine 50 people standing in front of you saying, that was brilliant. I enjoyed that. You know, and I yeah. think you have to ground. I think people have to be grounded in podcasting as well. It's true. Yeah. Ground yourself and, and define, define what success is for you for your podcast. You know, if, if, if success is a continual growth from 150 to 160 to 170 people, you know, don't, don't make these massive jumps. Like I need to get to 5,000 podcasting. The industry has a really bad nature of trying to compare yourself to other people. Right. And, and, and that's, that's human nature. I mean, we, we, the industry is no different than us as individuals, right? We, we try and, you know, we, we try and, um, create these, you know, it's like, Oh, this person's doing better than me. I should be doing better at that. At the, at the end of the day, what you're doing while you're recording your show is you're, 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 you're creating a relationship with that listener. And sometimes I think we overthink that relationship. It's no different from Ken, if you and I were, were in a pub and we were sitting there and something was on television, I could just start up a conversation with you, right? We, we could go from there or, you know, people that you, you want to meet online or someone you want to connect with, whether on Twitter or LinkedIn, it's just about starting that conversation in, in, in creating something engaging and interesting to talk about. And you're, you're trying to do that with, with your podcast and your topics, you know, as, as, uh, as Kim was, has mentioned, you know, be creative, be dynamic. Don't read from a script. Um, if you have a scripted podcast, that's totally different because that's using audio fiction, audio dramas, all those things, but have some personality behind the mic, um, you know, look at different ways, perhaps your format needs to be tweaked. There's a lot of different ways, but look at, look at what success means to you. You know, my, my father and I, we podcasted for 12 and a half years. Our goal was never to be a big, big technology show. We knew the technology space is crowded. You know, it's, it's very difficult to, to break into, you know, a very popular high download. So we just wanted to put together a show that we enjoyed and then our listeners continue to interact with us. And that was it. We didn't define as far as number of downloads, um, how many hits we had on our website. It was just, how do we continue to engage with the audience that we have? And that was, that was the metric that we used. I, I, now, I now want to find a podcast about stamp collecting and uh, train spotting. 
<laughs> there has to be one in the UK. Come on. Come on. Train spotting in the UK. It's a national pastime. It is. It Bird watching. <laughs> yeah, come on. It's like one of the funniest things I ever go and digress. I have to, because you got you've got me into this. Is that um I'm a big fan of Japan, the band from the 1980s. Yes. And they had a great guitarist for the first few albums, Rod Roger Dean. Sorry, Rob Dean. Yep. And Rob kind of left in 1981 after the Gentleman Take Polaroids album. And they went on to do another superb album. But I found out recently that he's living in the Caribbean somewhere. And he actually publishes books of birds that he draws himself. And I said to myself, wow, he got to get that guy in a podcast. <laughs> you know, because that would be the most amazing thing ever. So, yeah, you English, God, you have your, you have your weird, creaky pastimes, you know? Don't they? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Out, out of interest, if you're interested, Ken, um, mm. you remember I did that chat with uh, with Martin... Where? Martin Ware. Recently on his show, he actually had Richard Barbieri on as a guest. Oh, that was wow. a fantastic episode. That was yeah. really good. Yeah, I'll let you in on a trade secret. I tried to get in touch with Steve Jansen, but it's like trying to get Santa Claus on the show. Maybe I'll succeed. Maybe. Sorry, Dave, we're digressing here. These are all the guys who used to be in the band Japan. Yeah, <laughs> it's all <sorry>. good. <laughs> but, but you did have a great chat with Mijior from, from Ultravox. I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, one of the nicest people you could ever meet. You know, it's like, you know, they say, be prepared when you meet your heroes. Well, that didn't let down. That was amazing. Yeah, great guy. An hour. But that's another weird thing about independent podcasting, you know, and any sort, you know, where you're just a normal person sat in your room, technically, you know, just making this stuff up on a for a podcast, and suddenly you'll have these people who Mm. are people that are 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 idol idols to you, or you know, whatever, like you with Midge, and then me with Martin, where when he said yes, and and these other people as well who say yes, it's the weirdest thing. They're just willing to speak to you. That's yeah. the, the magic of how, or one of the bits of magic of how podcasting has changed over the years from something that was like, you know, like looked down upon like, a oh, a podcast, oh, what's that? You know, the media used to look down on it. And now every man and his dog's doing it. You know, David Tennant's got a bloody podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a big problem in America, isn't it, Dave? You've got a lot of celebrities just cashing in, really. Yeah, yeah. It seems like every other week you can look and say, "Oh, this, this, you know, this pop star or this actor, or this actress has has gone on board." What I've actually seen recently is um, a lot of celebrities, uh, whether it be musicians, uh, actors, whatever it may be, uh, writers that retired or basically faded their podcast during the pandemic. And now you're seeing a resurgence of that, you know, now that they can, because they're not like you and I that are sitting right in our rooms, in our houses, they're going to the studios, which are now open and all that stuff. And so you're seeing a resurgence of that. And and so you're exactly right. You, you will see these, you know, these spikes and these drops between, you know, when celebrities want to cash in, you know, and it's, and I really feel like just how the entertainment industry likes to hit us in our heart with like some nostalgia, right? You're mm-hmm. starting to see, you know, like some of the older movies that are being remade. You're starting to see some of the shows that were popular, say in the, in the early two thousands, uh, those actors and producers and writers are now doing podcasts to kind of rehash yeah. and bring up some of those old yeah. memories too. So we call them, what's that? We call them cash in, you know, the yes, cash yeah. in. 
that's that's exactly what they're doing. So they're like, hey, you know, it's it's been 15 years since you've thought about the show. You may be watching some reruns on on television or whatever, some streaming service. But now now we're gonna we're gonna cash back in. So um, yeah, you'll you'll see that with with celebrities. You'll you'll see that um, you know independent podcasters do the same thing. It's like, eh, you know, I'll do seven ten episodes. Man, this was a lot harder than I thought. Then they'll take yeah. you know a six month break. Then they'll get back into it and start to figure things out. But yeah, this this ebb and flow, this cash in, it's it's definitely a real thing. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was listening to um, a podcast on, and um, Acast. You know, yeah. I, I, will, I, I will reserve judgment on Acast. But anyway, they they advertise. You know, it's supposed to be podcasting for everyone, and you know, their advertisements are always. I mean, unbelievably famous people. You know, you'd never see Acast advertising a normal podcast in between the breaks. And, you know, like, for example, all this week, I've been listening to Dua Lipa. Hi, my name's Dua Lipa. I'm going to be doing my podcast. And I've been working tremendously hard over the last few months to give you this brilliant podcast. Like, she's got a team, about 50 people organizing it. Yeah. She doesn't even know what the questions yeah. are before she gets into the studio. You know, it's like, I don't care. What, I, I have no patience for that. Because mm-hmm. all they are is just extensions of cheap TV shows. Yeah. Whereas... You know, I listen to Tides of History, um, which is an amazing podcast. The guy's depth on history top topics is just amazing. And you can tell it's well put together. You know, it's a uh, Wonderly is doing it, but it's not pretentious. He's not doesn't care about he, he he does talk a lot. But what he says is is scripted, obviously, as you were saying, Dave, but you have to script something like that. Exactly. You know? And it's brilliant. And the quality is superb. The analysis, the historical analysis is superb. And I think, you know, there are independent podcasts out there that are good if they're done like that. But I certainly would never consider something by Dua Lipa an independent podcast. And they do have the audacity to say that. Yeah. You know? yeah. So when I get when I get my podcast put in a category for, you know, best foreign podcast, and I have a pop star in there who's currently riding high in the charts, that's not fair. You know, I don't, I don't, I'd say, nah, not even going to bother promoting that one. <laughs> it's like it's just crazy so i think we talked about this martin we said that we have yeah to be a definition you know got to start separating things and saying you know there's no point first of all i don't like the idea of actually paying money to enter your podcast into a competition where you'll just win a trophy yeah. all you're doing is kind of fulfilling you know some pr companies um you know wish to get themselves more known and i don't know what it's like with you dave i can see you're specifically a podcaster, right? But in the UK and Ireland, there's these, in, you know, Irish National Podcast Awards or the UK National Podcast. And they're just, they're just created by well-known PR companies. So they're just lashing in the odd one like us and then putting it all the, you know, everyone, everyone who wins are all the professional media platforms or newspapers yeah. or whatever. So I commend you because you're obviously there from the start, you know? You know, you're not pretentious. You're not trying to do some 115 podcasts, amazing. Uh, podcasters but yeah and me and martin have talked about this before you know it's it there needs to be a culling you know and some sort of and i like what you do because you're kind of ensuring that it's honest at the end of the day yeah that's that's what we've been trying to do since since day one we always we always wanted to uh you know kind of kind of help lift you know the independent podcasters those that were trying to trying to figure out the you know figure out the space and industry industry how do you maneuver around it what what sort of resources and assets and you know uh, information is out there that can make you successful you know and um I can't think I mean we did have Adam Curry on our uh, event in 2020 thanks to uh, Todd Cochran and Blueberry which is a podcast hosting company 
But aside from that, I can't think of one other time when we've had quote unquote, a celebrity or a big time, you know, major corporate podcaster. We we've always, we've always spent the time and energy to look, you know, across all boundaries in, in, in all these nations to say, hey, who are the experts that are talking about podcasting in India? Who are the ones that are talking about this in Japan? Who who out in Finland can give us something? What about in Switzerland? Like, Who are these individuals that are really making the industry move and tick? And and keep and keep moving forward and I and I think that's from day one we've we've that's always been our mantra is like hey let's let's support the indies they're the really ones that are um, doing a lot of the work and they're the ones that are um, making this thing move so yeah yeah thank you for the compliment. Well, I think it's more than a compliment. It's actually a fact, you know, because like you're st- you, like the proof is in the pudding. You know, if you wanted to at your point now, you could go smalchy. You could go, you know, yeah, let's just deal with the corporate. Probably make a few bob out of it. Probably do quite well out of it. You end up having to wear a tux. But at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, you can do that. But you're not doing that. And I think that's very commendable. So, you know, it's I'm not trying to butter up the thing. It's just that I can't, I, I know what my definition of an independent podcaster is. Um, and I'd be keen to know what all your in, in definition of it is. But my definition of an independent podcast is somebody who's not really that concerned about making money out of it, who really does it for the the enjoyment and generally doesn't give a damn what their ratings are, you know, and really enjoys the product. And they're doing it because they enjoy podcasting and they've managed to gel podcasting with something that they're really interested in. You know, it, it can be a, a hobby or a passion or a love, but if they've managed to gel it and it comes across well, and they're not, as you know, they're not, uh, you know, heavy on the Merc or heavy on, you know, advertising in their podcasting. So I guess for me, that's, I know it's probably simplified. You probably have a better definition of it than I do. But for me, that's an independent podcaster, somebody who just does it for the sheer love of it. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you hit it on there and I, I would even add in, you know, the, the resources that independent podcasters have, of course, is nothing close to anything, you know, that, uh, you know, anybody coming out of a radio station, um, you know, some other large conglomerate podcast network. And so you're seeing independent podcasters who are being extremely, um, um, successful as far as crowdfunding their podcast. You know, I know a yeah, lot of people that are not just using, what is it? Patreon, but there's, there's other types of mechanisms, buy me a coffee. There's all these different mechanisms that people are starting to use to say, Hey, you know, if, if you love the independent work that we're doing, yeah. let's, you know, let's, why, why don't you show a little bit of support, you know, some financial backing. I, I still, that still falls, it falls into, because like you said, they, they don't have a million dollar budget, you know, to, to get certain guests on or, or to do or do, do a, a podcast booking tour where you're on like, you know, 25 of the top 50 podcasts out there. And it's basically that is, as you mentioned, Ken, the same question regurgitated, you know, episode after episode with the same answer, you know, it's like, they're just trying to get their, you know, their product or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's somebody who's, who's DIY in it, you know, that's, you know, obviously probably has some capital of some, you know, amounts to, you know, cause personally I I've, I haven't edited, this is going to sound weird, but I've never edited a podcast episode in my life. My father, Steve, who I podcasted with has always done that. That was oh. his, that was his expertise. He's like, let me do the editing. I did all of the social media. I did all the show notes writing. I did all of that stuff. And so we knew exactly what we were good at. And we kind of stayed in our lanes, right? Steve's like, let me work on this. Let me work on the sound quality, do all the editing. He hates to write. And so I'm like, I love to write. So let me do all this stuff. And so as that independent podcast, you're trying to figure out, 
you know, what do you have to outsource? What will I, what will I pay to have done? Or what do I need to learn on my own single-handedly to make this thing move forward? You know, it's not like we don't, we, we don't have, you know, blank checks that we can just start handing out for like producers, you know, and editors and show note writers and, you know, all this stuff and booking companies. So yeah, you, you can, I think you bring up some really, really solid points about actually what is an independent podcaster. Well, you're the epitome of it because you're doing something with your dad's you know, you, you guys are not child. You're not a child anymore. That should stop. You know, you should be pissing off with boys and girls and whatever, or whatever. Anyway. But you're doing a podcast with your dad. Like this is the modern equivalent of going fly fishing. You know, it's like amazing. Yeah. You get in those moments with your dad on your own, because obviously you're sitting in a room and you're doing stuff and you're having to chat about other things. Mm-hmm. And this is incredible. You know, nowadays that's so difficult to do. Parents are, we've only just talked about this a few before you came on. Parents are struggling you know, to keep their children interested in them because they've got to compete with the most amazing amount of magnetized technology that mm-hmm. wants to grab your child and say, I'm more interesting than your dad, you know? And yeah, if you can get something that you can do with your parents, I think it's brilliant. I mean, I do a podcast with my daughter. She's nine. She does a book podcast. I have my youngest daughter on it. Martin loves it. You know, that's <laughs> awesome. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, we could, I could, like, I love doing it with my kids and, you know, they, they don't want to do it all the time. So it's not, you know, scheduled all the time. It's not every week, but when we do it, it's like a roller coaster and it's great. So you, you know, you and I are probably, you know, we're the quintessential, you know, doing stuff with their dad. I think it's brilliant that you do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something rewarding. I know, Ken, you can feel that same way that, you know, there's something special about sitting behind and creating something. First of all, you know, something new, something fresh, you know, year after year, week after week, but just being able to share that, that bit of moment, you know, and uh, with a family member, a child and a, and a father, it's, it's pretty incredible. So, yeah, I mean, we've been, we've been working together technically since like May, 2009 uh, within the industry. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. So you'll be bashing your dad at this point. (laughs) No, these guys should have diversed off into like, you know, you're doing star Wars and he's doing, you know, wood turning. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) It's, it's incredible you're you know you're usually like the, somehow we keep it together <laughs> bromance podcast you know it's fantastic well congratulations yeah. sorry man i'm digressing all over the place here i can't believe that ken's just made me realize and find out that there are a ton of podcasts about fly fishing <laughs> <laughs> i actually use that term a lot i don't know why it's just like something as a child i remember lots of guys used to do Jeez. Fly fishing. Unbelievable. It, it, it's a great tree. analogy. It's perfect. It's it's what you think about, you know, father, son, you know, whatever yeah. out there, you know, modern day fly fish. That's a that's a great that's a great comparison. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's <laughs> brilliant. So I mean, y- you know, talking about independent podcasting and, and Ken actually knows this about me, but I use a four-track tape recorder as my <laughs> as my interface yeah. for doing sound. So I have a normal old-fashioned mo- vocal mic that I've used I for 20-odd years. Yeah, I've got this one <laughs> here. So it's like the elves. That's like a beauty. The, it's the blue crystal, you know, lightsaber. But actually, somebody's come out, Road have come out with a red crystal lightsaber. So now mine is mm. kind of old hat. It's a Mark One, mm. you know. But look, I like Moog since... So I don't mind being a Mark one because there'll always be Mark, Mark when Mark two gets replaced by Mark three, then Mark two is really irrelevant, but Mark one will always be cool. 
So, so I'm happy to be Mark One. Definitely not happy to be Mark Two. <laughs> Last time I went into a recording studio, it was about just before the uh, just before the lockdown. This is uh, you know gone on tangents here, but I went in there, and uh, as soon as I walked in, I spotted that they've got a new new synthesizer um, in the studio. And my eyes went directly to it because they'd bought themselves for the studio a Moog synth. And of course, all of what I was going to record that day and over the next couple of days went out the window and it all became based on the Moog synthesizer because I thought, I've got to play that. I've got to try and you do that. Bass note, turn it up, LFO yeah. down, go for yeah. it. And it had installed in it all the different different sounds for all the moogs over the years as well it had all of them so it had the moog bass and everything it was just wow super yeah my friend had a poly moog sorry dave we're digressing slightly sorry dave. It was like the first polyphonic synthesizer that was ever built but the thing was i remember he he i was up in his his uh, his studio which was actually his bedroom and he said to me I've got a Moog. I said, oh, I've got to go. So I went all the way across Dublin in the 1980s. It required about four buses to get onto. I got into the room and I said, oh, man, it was there. It was in black straight out of the Gary Newman movie. It's kind of, you know, plasticky top. And, and he says to me, look what it does here. So he tuned it up, you know, and he hit the. You've muted yourself. Yeah, sorry. He got one side of the keyboard and he lifted it up. And when he lifted it up, because it was analog, the sound changed. It went, hmm. And I said, wow. I said, I don't like that keyboard. <laughs> but uh, it was brilliant because they were so analog. You know, you just moved them and they go out with tune. It was just fantastic. So, yeah, you, so you are the, you're the analog guy. You should actually rename your podcast the Analog Podcast. <laughs> the Analog right. Guy. That could, that could be some branding right there for you. The Analog Guy. It may be taken, may not. That could be a cool idea. Well, I couldn't call myself the Analog Kid because then they'd think it was a Rush podcast. Yeah, they think you were Leonardo DiCaprio of podcasting, you know, just going for the under 25s. <laughs> that hit. <laughs> yeah, you just, you know, Leonardo's at home going, he said something about me. <laughs> I can see the, the guitar behind Dave. It must be like yeah. if, if Dave sees any of his friends and they've got like an old 59 or 58 Telecaster or something, and you think, I've got to play that guitar or an old original Les Paul. Yeah, I know. I'm not a guitar man, though, I have to be honest with you. I can't move my fingers properly on the guitar. So. <laughs> so, guitar is great for impressing the ladies when you were younger, you know? You couldn't exactly pull out a poly move and go, hey, girls, check this out. That's <laughs> true. When you hear this bass, no. Have, have yeah, I can't believe just... how many... I can't believe how many podcasts I've listened to. I, I listen to some music podcasts, and, and the question is, what got you into music? Nine times out of ten, I was there to impress somebody in high school. You know, it's like, you know, oh, it's, really? oh no, that wasn't for me at all. <laughs> so many times, that's what I hear. I'm like, all right, you know, they're like, well, you know, I started, I wanted to impress somebody, or I saw a friend that was in a band that was, you know, starting to date or this or that. And he's like, so I thought I'd get into it, and then it turns into something, of course, bigger than that. So <laughs> that yeah, that, well. that doesn't work if you go to a school where it's all the same. So I can't, I can't impress, I couldn't impress world. girls at school no. because there were no girls at my school. Absolutely. I was in an all boys school and it was a yeah. Catholic school. So pff, that was definitely not going to happen. It was no. not even a hope. By the time I got up to like sixth class and I was 13 years of age, I was interested in doing 1500 meters running. 
So they, yeah. that's what they had done to me. <laughs> they had turned me into a John Walker or, you know, I don't know, some, some famous runner. And I said, no, no. But when, when I did join a running club and then I met a guy who played keyboards in the band and that's when it all happened. So mm-hmm. all, all fated, as they say, you know. Right. So going back to the subject at hand of podcast, yeah. you, you know, something is that over the re- last few years, then there's been a couple of cha- There have been a couple of changes with the world of podcasting. And you sort of hinted at it earlier on, Ken, or Ken, well, you didn't hint at it. You just went straight through it. One of the big problems is the the situation with people like Seth Rogen, as you said, you know, no, nothing against Seth, uh, against, not Seth Rogen, what's his name? Joe Rogan. Yeah. No, nothing against him at all. He's doing what he does and he does it well, obviously. But because it was so public that he's getting paid all that much money to do that and these other people are getting paid that much, that's caused a problem where all these people have started podcast thinking that they can actually get there and get paid for it. Yeah. So you've got that problem there, which, which is a real shame. But at the same time, while we've had the the locked when we had the lockdown across the world, a lot of other podcasters went on started as well for the better reason where they were just realizing, oh, it's something for them to do and they need to get it out of the system. So you've had more of that where people have realized and that's where the good podcaster come from. So it's a two two sided, you know, it's a it's a two it's a problem. Both really well. One's not, and one is. But we've got both that have happened over the last few years. Dave, you know, yeah, more it's than I would. Yeah, it's 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 been crazy. You know, through the pandemic, we we saw an it absolutely, you know, meteoric rise of people getting into podcasting, and it was it was people that had always wanted to get into it and was like, okay, now's the time I'm home. You know, I, I, I have the time and the ability and, and the resource to, to make this happen. And you also saw people that were just like, okay, let's, let's find something to fill my time. Right. You know, some people took up, you know, craft, some people took up podcasting, some people took, took up working on their vehicles, a, a wide variety of things. And what, what we saw in 2020 and 2021 was a rise in a couple particular genres. We saw um, fitness podcasts particularly um, took off because, you know, people were tending to be at home. They were realizing that, you know, they couldn't go to the gyms. They couldn't get to their usual, you know, source of, of, of like physical exercise. So I saw a lot of like uh, fitness podcasts grow. I saw a lot of health and wellness that really went up. Not only um, it was it was psychological, mental, it was, you know, a, a lot of big changes going on, right? And so the health and wellness really picked up. And um, so that, that was sort of the, the two big, you know, big, big categories and genres that really, really peaked during the time. Um, yeah, of course, you had like the true crime that that continued to 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 take off. You had a lot of faith based podcasts that that started. Um, and uh, Ken, you had talked about earlier the po- political podcast during that time. Um, just just with all with all the information going left, right, up and down, you know, across, you know, every every political spectrum was was hopping on trying to trying to have their um, have their voices um, heard. Um, so yeah, pretty incredible. I, I think you know, there's. I don't have any good data because I don't work for a podcast hosting company, but they could probably pull data really easily to see how many of those that started in 2020 are actually now active and actually still producing shows. I bet it's a, it's, it's, I bet it's a fraction, maybe, maybe three, 5%. If, if, if I'm, if I'm generous that, that way. Um, so I, I think that that's the beauty of podcasts is that you can get in at any time. The also downside is that you have a lot of, you know, not so good stuff coming out because there is no, 
there's no barriers to entry. Right. And so it, it, it kind of works both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And it's funny before you joined us, we had a brief conversation about American podcasting, which I was following a lot of over the pandemic. I was following a lot of Facebook pages. I'll keep it brief because I already said it. And basically, as you just nailed it there, like these are just full of snake oil, well-being sort of salesmen, you know, and I with my podcast, because it's a conversational podcast, which is an interview one on one. I was getting these guys contacting me saying, you know, my name's Derek. I spent 15 years in San Quentin. You know, I was a drug addict. I was, you know, lived on the streets in Boston for 40 years, whatever. And I found God and now I've written a book and I'd like to talk to you about this book because I feel I can help others. And I'm like, you know, you're, you know, you know, you're 165 person that's come to me about this. And I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think that's what happened. People thought they could make it fast. A lot of people in the wellness industry thought they could make a fast book out of it by using podcasting, but you and I know that's not going to happen. You want to sell something, you need to have a shop, you know, and that's really what you do and put money into it. You know, using podcasting is just a tiny element of that. Yeah. Yep. So how would you suggest then, Dave, that people start to think about and looking to doing podcast? Well, it's important, I think, is, as I mentioned, there's no barriers to entry, which means you could you could literally podcast in 30, 30 minutes if you wanted to. You can download Anchor, you can you can, you know, you can record something, boom, you got it. The, the downside of that is you, nobody just opens up shop, you know, any brick and mortar store, they just don't boom, open it up, you know, and it's like, well, let's see how things go. You know, this, this, the podcast, you have to have a strategy going into it. You, you gotta, you gotta know what your topic is. You gotta dial that in. You gotta figure out what audience you're going to be, um, you know, uh, focusing it on you, you, what are your social media accounts going to going to look like? What do you, what do you plan to promote? Um, do you want to be on all of them? Do you want to only be on the ones that you really enjoy using? Um, what does your website look like? Do you want to get with a podcast ho hosting company that's going to provide you really good analytics? And you know, what, what is sort of your, your growth pattern here? What, do, what are you looking for? As we talked about earlier, what, what is, what does success look like for you in, as in, as while you're producing and, and um, creating all this content for yourself. And I think you just have to have a roadmap. I mean, every time I, I think of podcasts, like, like nothing else, you, you, you apply for university, right? You, you have these certain amount of classes that you have to take within a certain cycle and boom, you get your degree or award at the end. Same thing when you're working um, at your, at your regular job, you have certain steps and certain guidelines and certain, um, uh, milestones that you have to meet. The same thing with podcasts. You need to map out where you want to go and how you want to grow it. And um, it, but if you're simply just doing it casually, you just want to just throw up there, have some conversations with friends. Great. Um, but if your success looks to be a little bit more legitimate and you're interested in actually doing a little bit more with your show, define a roadmap, get some guests on. If if you want to do a do an interview thing, you know, start backlogging a bunch of bunch of interviews. Um, and 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 really just set out a plan because I think without that, I think a lot of podcasters just kind of shooting from their hip a little bit. And, and that's usually where you, you see a lot of the grumblings about, Oh, I'm not getting the growth. I'm not seeing this. I'm not seeing that. So I just think like everything in life, you, you got to have a strategy. You got to have a plan. You have to have something to move forward um, with some, with some end in mind. You know, there's, there's a podcaster I listen to, and this is more his financial advice, but he goes, always have the end in mind. Like, what are you trying to get to, you know? Um, that's going to look different for every person getting into the podcast space. And it's going to look very different from people that are 
you know, five years into it, seven years into it, 10 years into it, their, their end may change, you know, four or five years into it. You know, my dad and I, when we were podcasting, we switched up our format five, six different times because we felt like we needed a refresh. We needed to figure things out. Um, you know, let's, let's try some new things. And so, um, that's, that's a long, a, a long answer to your question, but I think, I think having a strategy and a roadmap is probably the best, the best answer for new people coming in. It's a great answer. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a great answer to that one would be what what Ken did with the Moldovan show, which is where he knew that it, it, he's done shows where he's known that there's a certain time that for that show to last for, in essence, where sometimes you'll have that sort of show where you know that there's a specific time that it'll last for before that subject's over with and some other shows are constant where they will keep going and going and going. So that's an interesting one as well is to know where you actually fit that way as well. I think a lot of podcasters don't listen to podcasts as well. They get an idea in their head and they think, I know how I can do that. They might be coming from a similar kind of industry be it music or radio or whatever. But what they don't do is they don't sit down and say, I like what Dave is just saying there, have a concept. And then they don't listen to the rivals. Every business watches the rivals, you know, and it's not about beating the rivals. It's trying to understand what makes them think, tick. And I think um, when I list, when I came up with the comfortable spot, I knew I was stepping into a category that was very, very mixed, you know? Um, so I, I decided not to take that too seriously. Um, and say to myself, I have a good career. I have a good job. I have a good business myself. So money's not my motivation. So what, as you said there, Dave, what was my motivation? My motivation was to meet people very interested, that I'm very interested in and talk to them. Some of them are famous. Some of them aren't. Um, and I still have the same enthusiasm I have from the first one. Uh, and as long as you have that enthusiasm, I think that's what can keep you motivated. But if you start watching the clock or you start watching the calculator, it's going to become an issue for you and you're going to panic and you're going to cut corners or maybe concentrate too much on one thing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. Everything you said there, Dave, as long as the roadmap suits you and you're not letting it impact on your family or your work or your career, you know, it, it, you can't let it take over unless it's a positive takeover where somebody, as you say, Dave, somebody's come to you and said, we'd like to offer you a deal, but they're, they're like record contracts now. They're one in a million, you know? So it goes back to what I'd say. If you've only got a hundred people on your podcast, if you start to know those people on a first name basis, Jesus, you're doing good. That's really great. And it's yeah. really, that's it is. Yeah. as I mentioned, it's, 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 uh, it's unfortunate. I think that we make so many comparisons within the industry. You know, it's like, I, you know, as far as, oh, I need to be this, or I, I want to be that. And it's like, remember the people that are, you know, downloading or have these multi-million downloads, they've, they've had histories in the in entertainment business. They've had histories as far as they've developed their own brand for years and years and years. It's not like right out the gate, you know, these comedians were, were selling out, you know, Madison Square Garden or Wembley or anything like that. Same thing with musicians. You said, Ken, if, if I go to a, a local show where I'm at here in California and I see 50 people there, that musician and that band that's playing is over the moon excited that there's yeah, 50 yeah. people there. You know, and the fact there. that they, okay. Martin's been there too. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just like you, you, you can feel that energy and you can think about doubling that, think about tripling that. And that that's a huge impact, you know. And I, I think we're I think we all make want want to uh 
have a greater impact, you know, obviously with, with our message and our voice and in perhaps maybe it's an expertise or conversation we want to share, but you, you do got to step back and you, you, it's a slow burn. It's a slow build for a lot of these things. Yeah. A few podcasts, man, they hit fire and they take off. But again, like you said, Ken, that's, 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 that's one in a few, but if you, if you're fortunate to, to, you know, hit that jackpot and go with it. Perfect. But I think, I think that's a, you know, that's typically untenable for, I think a lot of podcasters. Yeah. The other thing I always find is that people sometimes when they're say, we have a similar podcast to me where they're talking to a person and they make the fatal mistake of getting somebody famous because they think that famous person will make their podcast famous. And the thing is you should never, ever, ever expect, never mind rely on your guests to promote your podcast. If you're getting somebody on your podcast simply because you think they're going to bring numbers in, Hey, we can all do that. You know, we could all get somebody who's notorious or right wing or somebody's going to get, you know, but like you got to say to yourself, that's not what the podcast is about. So I, I, when I hear people giving out about that, saying, oh, I got this famous person in and they didn't even put their, you know, the podcast up on their Twitter feed. That's so what? They've already given you an hour of their time. You could have said feck off you know, mm-hmm. in the first place. Be thankful. Yeah, always bring a guest on that's going to add value yeah. to your listeners. Something that you can learn from and something your your listeners can can learn from. Because I mean, I've I've listened to several podcasts where they have a guest on. Maybe they have their own podcast or something like that. I don't usually. I think maybe one occasion where I've actually subscribed to their podcast. But generally, I'm there because the host has such a good way of interviewing or a great style or can really draw out answers differently from different interviewees. And that's the reason I'm there. I'm there because of the host. The guest is just an added bonus for me, you know? So Ken, you're right on there where it's like, don't expect to get, you know, somebody that's big in an industry or, or whatever it would be health and wellness, finance, you know, any sort of genre, you know, authoring. Um, it's, it's, it's about creating a podcast that's going to be basically value added to the listener. And I think that's where, where the direction in that mindset needs, needs to take place. The funny thing was when I did the comfortable spot, I realized how, and I, I know Martin agrees with me because he, he's in the same boat as I am. I'm a quirky fecker when it comes to stuff. There's so much stuff I'm interested in. And I didn't realize, like, it, you know, it crosses so many genres and, and things like whether it be the history of the NASL in America or, you know, who's mm-hmm. got to be the next woman in space. And you know yourself, Marv, when you just come across, you kind of sit back, don't you, sometimes and you look back in your episodes and go, I have so many things. How do I live? <laughs> you know, thank God I'm not rich because my house would be full of so much, you know, memorabilia <laughs> and junk. It's crazy. <laughs> so your podcasts are good like that because they allow you to have a, a you know, an oral memorabilia, which is brilliant, you know. Yep. That's nice. It's, it's almost like a, an, an oral photo album. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I no think way. of it all the time. Yeah. It's, that's why I'm kind of, that's why I kind of try and do my podcast in a personal way. Like I would never subscribe to just get somebody on who I don't feel I'm personally invested in. Yeah. You know, and, and it's been the odd time. Somebody has contacted me and I said, I sit back and I watched them for a little bit on Twitter, you know, make sure they're not what, you know, boring or whatever, or mad or whatever. And then I approached them, even though they've approached me maybe a couple of weeks before that. Uh, but that's rare. Usually it's people I've kind of noticed, like, and I've said it okay, that, that girl's great. She's really good on Twitter or she's coming out with a really interesting book and I can't wait to read it or whatever. Um, and, you know, you change your mind as well because I, I've just done a podcast recently with an Irish author who did historical fiction. I'm not a fan of historical fiction. I never have. 
you know, I thought Titanic was garbage. But like, you know, when I read her book, because my local book, uh, my local bookseller who works well with us on Lydia's podcast, she insisted I read this book. She, you got to read this book. She's brilliant. And I changed my mind. You know, I said, that's very good. I'm going to get her on the podcast. And I did admit that on the podcast to her as well. So I wasn't trying to be a smart arse, but I said, I am sorry. I'm making an apology, you know? So yeah. And that's the great thing because it opens your mind. You know, I would have never read that book only for the podcast. Yeah. It's like I've, um, I was approached once by a sports podcast and I will hold my hand up and say a lot of sports. I'm not really that interested in, to be honest. But because they'd, they'd approached me and I said, I'll check your show out, I listened to their show and I found the way that they approached the subject interesting to me. And then I kept listening to more episodes of their show. And sure, I had them on my show, but because I'd actually listened to quite a number of their episodes and shows by that point, I was used to who they were they'd already interested me. So I was able to tailor the episode that I did with them around them. Cause that's what I do. As you've, you've mentioned before, Ken, when mm-hmm. I have people on my show, it's individual to those people who are on the show, yeah. how I approach it. And, and my way is that I introduce who they are and what their knowledge is of their subject to the listener because the listener in general, a podcast listener, doesn't give you know, doesn't give two shits what what equipment they're using to make the make the show with. I will mm. go into that for any podcasters that are interested, but the majority of the show is about what their show is about and what their knowledge is, and to introduce that person and how they are or those people to potential listeners. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I was curious about, you know, what, what do you think of saying, getting a format, you know, and sticking to the format, like say, for example, intro music, an introduction, you know, a regular repetitive introduction to the podcast, and then an introduction, you know, exactly the same time and all that kind of thing. Do you think that works? Because I do that. I do think it works. You know, it's 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 funny you mention that because when I listen to podcasts, um, say like when my wife and I are driving like down to LA or something like that, and we have a show that we listen to together, we can basically recite the first intro of the podcast, right? We, we, yeah, we we can do it. In, we can do it in the podcaster's voice. We can like sing along with the music. I think there's something really familiar about it, right? It's like a theme song to a sitcom you know, or, or to a television show or something like that, where it's your own way of identifying. This is the show that, that, you know, this is the show. And I I really like the idea of, of having some sort of consistent, you know, message or brand, um, at, at the intro, like for years, Steve and I, we had the, the same intro about welcome to the waves of tech. It's a show about this, you know, and it was, it was, it was perfect. It was a 30 second intro. Steve and I, um, went, went into our like short little blips, but yeah, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's really great. I, th- I think there's something, um, relatable for a lot of people when they see it, like, Oh, you know, you know, I, it's something I hear on TV. It's something I hear on radio. It's something I hear on a, on a TV series. You know, there's a reason, you know, like Netflix, when you turn it on, it's all boom, that's a sound we recognize yeah. as a company, you know, or, you know, it's, it's, I, I just think, I think it's really smart and, uh, it, it can be a little bit 
tricky to try and figure out exactly how your intro needs to be or how you want it to be. And it's okay to adapt and change over years. Um, but I think there's something extremely familiar to the listener when you have that. You're like, okay, because I've noticed if you're kind of distracted, you know, maybe you've listened to music and you're switching over to podcasts, you put, put your earbuds in and all of a sudden, boom, you get right into the sort of the tone of the podcast. You know, it's like, okay, I hear this music. I hear the hosts. Now I know where I'm going to go. So I, I think it helps, at least me personally, kind of helps me focus and kind of get my line uh, or my head in right as far as where, where, where we're going with this, this conversation. It's funny you say that because I have a habit of saying, I've, I've always had trouble closing a podcast. No, difficult. I used, I, for example, I'd say thank you very much too many times. Now I just say thank you very much once. And then I had this thing which I was doing, which my wife put out to me. I didn't even know I was doing it until the first four or five podcasts. So I would say, and thank you very much to all of you out there for listening. So take care, y'all. Bye-bye. And she's like, where's this y'all thing coming from? And I'm going, you know, <laughs> she said, I, I said, I don't say y'all. I say, take care of y'all. I say, yeah, you just said it there. And I was like, oh my God, I just said it there. And like <laughs> for the first three or four podcasts, I didn't know I was saying it. So I said, I should keep it then. So I do keep mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's funny because I didn't even realize that I had a kind of a, a set way of doing it, but I agree with you hundred percent. I think like we, we discussed this Mark before we said yeah. long music intros can be really, really dying. You know, they, they can, yeah. be fire. you know, I've come across someone's where like, for example, I got a podcast sent to me. I was asked to, you know, to critique it and like, it had a two minute violin intro. And I was like, wow, you know, that's dynamic to try even in attempt that's brave now it was a french podcast but they still didn't get away with the fact that it was french you know so i did say to them i said it's way too long you need to have 20 or 30 seconds and they were like oh but this is a friend of ours and he's you know here this is an original piece which he created for us and i was like i don't care podcasts don't podcast listeners don't care about that they're going to switch off after 20 seconds they're going to say what is this switch off you know no vocal introduction no voiceover nothing just this guy playing the violin solo as well which is like an acquired taste on any day. So, but you, uh, my point is that they just didn't get that, Dave, Martin, Martin. They just kind of, they just said, this is how we're going to do it. It was too creative and too individual. And that's why I asked you that, you know, that is it good to stick to, you know, pl- blocks and plan in advance. And so that, as you said, you nailed it so that people can be familiar with it. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you have a two minute original piece, maybe fine, maybe in, in post-production, put that two minute piece in the last two minutes, you know, as, as an, as an under, under, under music, you know, just to kind of let people know that, Hey, your podcast is now ending, you know, cause usually, you know, as you said, Ken, there's sometimes we find this awkwardness about how do we, how do we close out? How do we end a show? Yeah. And music is a trigger for a lot of people right now in the podcasting space, you hear music, you think, okay, an ad's coming. Yeah. And now, now it's like, if, if for that particular French podcast, you're like, Hey, you know, we're going to close out with this original piece conducted by our friend and just have like a little two minute outro, yeah. you know, or just do it in post. So I think there's ways of incorporating um, so they don't lose that flavor and that touch and that, that uh, participation, you know, that their friend did. So yeah, you bring, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thought process to see how people construct and build and manufacture their shows. Well, with the Mondova coffee break, we, we kind of picked this kind of black sea style music because um, we didn't want it to be too Eastern European. And it was like a very short snap version of it. It would be like 10, 20 seconds long. But then at the last podcast for the last, the end of the series, I said, you know, thank you very much for staying with us for the six episodes. And then we're going to play the full version. So I played the full version of that tune, which is three minutes long. 
at the end of the last podcast. And loads of people came on to me and said, that's a great tune. Where'd you get that? <laughs> so like they were more interested in the end of the thing, you know, but, but I thought it was, it's a good way to, to finish the podcast because I felt, you know, sometimes you do listen to a radio station and you have a very catchy intro tune. You're going, what is that song? Yeah. You never quite find out. And then someday they just say, or are we playing it, you know? And that's why that's how I felt. It was a nice way to actually tell people that this is the very end of the podcast. Yeah. And and I think it's important to realize, you know, the the podcast industry is still still it's an infancy, right? I mean, it's it's 18, 19 years old, but we can still learn a lot from traditional media. And I mean, they they've, you know, cable production companies and movie theaters and all these things, they're they're popular and they're profitable for a reason. And we see that a lot of shows and radio use a lot of the same formatting one after another because they understand attention spans. They understand what music and voiceover and all these things can do. And so I think, you know, we, we, we definitely want to develop and create an industry that's unique to us, but also at the same time, you can't ignore the factors of human nature as far as what they relate to, what they connect with. And so I think in, in that respect, you can pull what you think works from traditional media into this new media and re- really fine tune something that really, really works for you as a podcaster. And in, 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 as I mentioned, manufacturing, put to, putting together a show that, that really makes a lot of sense for you. Anyway, I think we, I think that's a great episode. So uh, where can people find you, Dave, and uh, find out more about the International Podcast Day and your podcast? Yeah, easiest way, guys, is to head over to internationalpodcastday.com. There are links to our YouTube social media accounts. Um, There's a list to our upcoming live event that we're doing on September 30th. Uh, I will promote that we have obviously our live stream going, you know, 24 podcasters, 10 countries, but I always encourage people, whatever way you want to celebrate international podcast day, go out there and do it. Find your own unique way. We have companies that are doing giveaways. We have podcasters that are giving out promotional material. There are podcast editor meetups going around the country. I've seen cool things like pub crawls, and comedy shows, all kinds of things planned out for international podcast day. So However you decide to celebrate, make it fun, make it unique, make it enjoyable. Um, but if you want more information, connect with us. It's over at internationalpodcastday.com. I think I'll suggest to everybody that this year this year for podcast day, or when you've heard heard this, go away and listen to a, to a show that is about a subject that you've never listened to a show about before. Good idea. Eye fishing. Yes. Yes. Stamp collecting. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not the last one no <laughs> and ken how can people contact you and find the shows oh for god's sake marv how do i follow that up you know it's just spoken about the most important event of the year and here's ken with his little <laughs> podcast ken you matter you matter to us ken. Matter, you're an yeah. independent I, podcaster i will survive by gloria gainer that's what i'm singing now um come here i suppose the best way to find me is on twitter ken sweeney ken kenneth m sweeney that's how you get me. And then the comfortable spot is on Twitter as well. And then I have to give a word out to my little daughter, Lydia. Lydia's Booktastic podcast. You will always remember that because it's such a kitschy, kitschy little thing. Those are the three ways. The comfortable spot, Lydia's Booktastic podcast. Look at them up on every single platform. They're all there. Thanks very much. <laughs> Again, useless type trying to follow up Dave there. It's just yes. pathetic. I didn't even bother trying. I could have had a little bit of music here, but I just didn't bother. I think Dave needs to listen to Lydia's Booktastic podcast. Yes, I do. Hey. I'm actually, I'm on Twitter right now and I'm giving it a follow as well. Maybe, so. um, maybe Lydia could appear on, you know, as a guest on one of your future um, events, Dave. 
I you know what? I will keep you in mind, Ken, because that is one thing that we have not ventured into is having any kid podcasters on yeah. our event. And so that's something I've always wanted to get into. Um, but obviously with YouTube and all those things that happen with, you know, um, you know, youth and kids and all that stuff. But um, if, if we can get you and your daughter, I think that would be, a, be an awesome, awesome thing to do. I, I will put you on the list for 2023. How about that? Definitely. I think she'd be, she'd be more, she'd be suitable for it then. And even actually, I, I cannot make any promises, but it's most likely my younger daughter, Lucy, will also be there. So you'll have Anakin Skywalker version and, and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi trying to calm things down. So <laughs> I can, I'm making, I'm making apologies for it already for the outcome. It'll be good listening, put it that way. Good. That's, that's what we're, we, yeah, we, we want that. So yeah, that's, that's a really good idea. I, I appreciate the pitch. I'll, I'll, I got you on my list for sure. Well, well, I think you heard earlier on, Dave, when we were both talk, talking and saying that, you know, that that's something that needs pushing more and more is the fact of children's podcast and the podcast that have children yep. in. It's big, but it needs to be pushed out there so that more people know about it. And just to sum up, I think I said it earlier on, YouTube is dangerous, you know, because yep. it, it can take over the lives of children and it can also push them down a road where they feel they need to compete, you know. Whereas with podcasting, it's kind of your, your, it's a little bit more insular and a little bit more protective. You know, it's not as invasive. I always think that any kind of social media that involves a heavy amount of screen time is not good for kids. Podcasting doesn't have to be involving screen time. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of it. And I think it's a great way to introduce children to technology without them having to incur the fallback of too much screen time. Because any parent will tell you too much screen time is not good for kids. Yeah. Yeah, audio audio is, is is an incredible resource for children. I think you're right, Ken. With YouTube, it seems a bit a uh, little bit of exploitation with yeah. with a lot of people with with parents and kids on YouTube, and it's a very very dangerous avenue to go down. And you, I've shoot, I've seen lawsuits with kids in the future with their parents on yeah. on the income from the YouTube and all this stuff. And it's like it gets nasty really fast. Podcasts, like you said, is 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 uh, you you can get siloed quite a bit, which is which is a which is a healthy way of protecting you and your child from a lot of stuff. So I think it's I think it's a really good media that hasn't really fully been been explored, but is also very uh, very yeah. enjoyable, very That's useful. One important factor being a parent, which I can certainly vouch for, is that it's safe for children to bring their friends on and participate because no one yeah. can see who the children are. You don't even give, need to give names. And this is where, where it works. You know, it's very safe environment using modern technology and modern, you know, ways of promoting media. That's true. You can come up with fun social media graphics that don't use the face of your child or, you know, depict it in any reason you can create with a, a graphic if you want to promote it online. But yeah, it's, yeah, anonymity and, and is, is huge. Yep. It's a good slow way as well to bring kids into that. You know, they're not so exposed. Yeah. 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 So Dave, sorry, I, before I let you go, I, I, this is, so what, what, what's, you know, is there a, a central place that I can go to, to suss out for the podcasting independent, you know, in the day? For, for independent podcasters? Yeah. For, no, no, no. For this, for the event that you have, is there a, a go-to place that I can? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, go to internationalpodcastday.com is right, the best right. place. Yeah. And um, on our, our homepage, um, if you do the uh, uh, on the information little drop down right. that says live event schedule and live broadcast, that's where we're going to have right. everything. Um, but yeah, it's, we, we got everything from ways to get involved, promotional uh, sure. material on there, um, 
all, well, all sorts just, of different things. I, I can promote it on Twitter. You know, Marv knows I use Twitter for a bit. So I'll just mm-hmm. use that and just kind of get it out there, post it a few days. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's perfect. You can use the hashtag International Podcast Day and you Great. can also tag me at Podcast Day and I'll, uh, I, can, I can share some stuff if you plan to do something, something yeah, unique brilliant. or something cool. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah my, I, I run all the social media accounts and the email and all that stuff. So it's we're not going through any like, PR firm or nobody's monitoring. That's, that's all, that's all me doing it behind, behind the scenes. So yeah. Yeah. And any, any way you want to get involved is, is cool with us. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Anyway, thanks for speaking with me today, guys. You're welcome. Absolutely. Thanks, Martin. You can find pods like us on TikTok, Facebook. I don't normally advertise that one, uh, Twitter and on Instagram, Instagram, I post up lots of things like the things that I listen to quite a lot. I do a lot of promotion of podcasts on there. Brilliant. Well done. Um, really all appreciate that. It's super work. Thanks very much. Thank you. And you can contact me through podslikeus at gmail.com. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us.